Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If somebody won't come, take them by the hand and bring them. Hallelujah. Just don't block the aisle so other people can come in behind you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to heaven right now and just begin to, hallelujah, thank God for what he's doing. Thank God for what he's going to do. Thank God for what he's going to change. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I want somebody, Lord, to get as excited right now. Lord, before you do it, and not just wait till you do it. Hallelujah. Lord, we just turn our expectancy loose right now. Hallelujah. Come on, just go ahead and turn your faith loose right now. Hallelujah. If you go ahead and get your faith stirred up and God does something for you right now, it's not going to bother me. Why would you wait till the end of the service when God can do it right now? Hallelujah. Why wait till later when God can do it right now? Hallelujah. You don't need a man. You don't need an evangelist. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is already here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't stand a chance tonight in the presence of God and God's people. Hallelujah. Go just take someone by the hand next to you just a moment. Just agree with them. Hallelujah. God's going to do stuff tonight. He's big and he does that stuff. Hallelujah. God is big and he does stuff. Hallelujah. He does stuff. Hallelujah. Because he can. Hallelujah. God doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Hallelujah. But he'll do it because he can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing the devil can do to stop the hand of God. He might stop your faith and he might stop your expectancy, but he can't stop God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, may the hovering of the Holy Spirit, Lord, over this place tonight, even as I preach, Lord, that people just begin to receive. Lord, if somebody shouts while I'm preaching, Lord, I'll, I'll know what it is. Someone's done got their touch. Hallelujah. Somebody can ruin my preaching tonight by a good shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just mess up our part of the service, Father. Hallelujah. You just move in and do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. Lord, do something tonight to astound the critic. Do something, Lord, tonight to astound even those that believe and came expecting. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated tonight. I love to preach on expectancy. If you can just give me about two minutes, brother. All right. I like it when you're with me. I was preaching about expectancy and you got to prepare yourself and let your actions show that you want something from God. Amen. I realized uh, we had a revival that uh, 
went on for a year and a half. Healings have taken place at my church for many, many years. But when we had our big revival back in 2004, uh, there were hot spots. Hot spots. And uh, there were just seemed like there was concentration of places where healings took place. And I also knew how the man of God, we had an evangelist, I knew how he moved. And uh, I, I realized some people position themselves for a blessing, for a miracle, and some position themselves not to get anything from God. Now, I'm the type of person, if you need something, be the one the man of God has to stumble over. Amen. Be the one that get Jesus' attention when they told Bartimaeus to shut up. Amen. He got even louder. Amen. But you know, many times people, they, their, their faith dictates what they do to get their miracle. And uh, I, I've seen, I saw the people that would come in, they'd hide in the very back, hide behind everybody. And they'd say, well, if he's a man of God, he'll come back here and find me. You know? And, uh, but you know, men are men. They're like water. They take the path of least resistance. You know? And they only go so far, and it, it, you might be back there, and they may be going back there, but if somebody here jumps out and, and, and gets in the way, uh, they might take the time and never get to you. We understand that? And I was preaching on positioning yourself for a miracle, positioning for your breakthrough, and right in the middle of that, a lady got up and went, I thought she was going to the bathroom. I thought, how rude. I'm, I'm just starting to preach. And she just gets up, but she didn't go out the back door. She came forward, and she positioned herself for a breakthrough. Amen. She made sure I would stumble over her, and she didn't move up two or three rows. She came, and she sat right here. And all of a sudden that busted something open in the service because people came expecting. And it was a church a little bit bigger than this, but they had four sections of chairs just like this. And before I knew it, every front row seat was taken because somebody anticipated God doing something. If somebody was going to get it, they wanted to be the one that got it. Amen. Amen. So I just believe everybody got to do what they got to do to get their breakthrough. Amen. I appreciate the hospitality of Pastor Terry and Brenda. Enjoyed the time today in your beautiful home and enjoyed interacting, man, with all your great folks. And it's been a great time. My wife wishes she could have been here, but maybe next time. I hope there is a next time, as God wills. Amen. I appreciate those that have bought books and given in the offerings. And if you haven't got a book, it would help me out and not have to carry so many back tomorrow in the airplane. I kind of strained my back in that heavy suitcase, and uh, but uh, if, if you hadn't gotten one, it, uh, I'm not making any money on them. I'm just um, selling them at cost at the twenty dollar uh, for the four book set because I want to bless you, Amen, Amen. God's been good to me, so I want to be good to others. And I haven't said this before, but I also have them in Kindle editions on Amazon, and you can also buy if you like the book and want to get it for somebody, you can get them on Amazon. And also Kindle editions for the Kindle people out there. Amen. Well, I'm going to have to be honest tonight. And uh, I'm, I'm always honest, but I'm a little more honest on the last night because I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm heading out tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to tell you what the truth of God's Word is tonight and how it relates to us. We don't always like that, do we? 
We don't like the truth. I don't always like the truth. Yeah, if it, if it hits somebody else, we like it. But when it gets close to home and... You know, I heard one time a true story about some old Canadian birds that they would always fly south for the winter. You know, they didn't want to endure the frigid temperatures of the cold north. So every, every winter, you know, or every fall, they'd start flying south. And one old bird said, uh, the true story here, uh, one old bird said one day, I've flown south enough and I don't feel like flying south again. You, you younger birds can go, but I'm, I'm tough. I can stick this winter out. So all the other birds flew south and he remained behind. And about six weeks later, uh, it began, the temperature began to change and he realized that uh, uh, as it began to get cold that he might have made a bad decision. And uh, one particular day, it started raining, and then the rain, as it got, got colder, the rain turned to ice. And as he was trying to fly around, his wings got covered with ice, and he could hardly flap them. And he says, man, this is turning out to be a very bad decision. This could be the worst day of my life. Fortunately, he looked down, and he saw a barn was open, and he, he was able to kind of wing around and land in the barn and he was just so thankful that he didn't just fall out of the sky because of the weight of the ice on his wings and he just kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said boy that was a close one today then about that time here comes the cow and steps right over the top of him and drops a warm plop right on top of his head and he says, this is the worst day of my life. I, I, I almost freeze to death and fall out of the sky. And I come down here for warmth and, 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 and shelter. And I, the cow steps right on top of me and drops one right on top of my head. Y'all do have plops in Kansas, don't you? So you know what plops? Sometimes people don't. Cow pies. A cow pie dropped right on top of his head. And at first he was disgusted. But then he said, you know, it's starting to get warm in here. And as that old bird began to warm up, he began to get so happy, and he began to sing. And about the time he started singing beneath that cow pie, here comes the bird, uh, excuse me, here comes the, the barn cat, uh, wondering what that happy sound is. And with a swift, uh, uh, swift swap of the paw, it moves the cow pie, and it sees the bird and eats it. End of story. There's three morals to the story. You might want to write these down. You might want to remember them. Number one, if someone drops a plop on you, doesn't mean they hate you. Is that too deep? <laughs> the second moral to the story is, if someone takes it off of you, doesn't mean they love you. You, know, you want to know what the third moral to the story is? forgot it <laughs> the next time someone takes it off of you no no I can't believe I forgot this the next time somebody drops a plop on you keep your mouth shut <laughs> amen you know, we want people to be honest with us don't we and we want God's Word to work in our lives. 
I love the story. I don't really like the story, but it makes a very good point. I love the point that it makes over in 2 Chronicles 16, 12, 13, and 14. It says, uh, and Asa, now Asa was a godly king, one of the godliest Israel ever had. And then Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. Until he was exceeding great. Until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers. It didn't mean he went to sleep with them. But he died. The 41st year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulcher. Which he made for himself. Do you realize people today are preparing for their demise and not for their living? When he was in a very desperate situation and he wasn't getting any better, rather than go to God, he went to the doctor. And no doubt he did everything the doctor told him to do. But doctors aren't God. And doctors don't know everything. Doctors get the wires crossed sometimes. Sometimes they make mistakes. I read the other day, I don't know how it happened, but a doctor amputated somebody's wrong arm. I was with the doctor when the doctor came out to talk to the family of a man that had a heart attack. They went in and did a heart catheterization the doctor came out and says your family member's fine just a little bit of rest he didn't need a stent just a little bit of medication he's going to be fine well we thank the Lord for the good report I left and went home drove back to Corrigan and but about the time I got home his family member called me says the doctor came out and he had to apologize he told us somebody else's diagnosis or their prognosis. But the truth of the matter is, the man was fa- is facing a triple bypass. Doctors are overwhelmed, and doctors are only human. They mean well, but to be honest right now, a lot of your care that you get from doctors goes back to how much is regulated by the insurance industry. It's not about your comfort anymore. It's about saving every buck they can. Are you with me? My father-in-law, 95 years old, when he finally passed, he was 94 before he finally, for the first time in his life, went to a doctor. One of the nurses asked him, how did you live to be 94 without ever going to a doctor? And I spoke up and says, by never going to a doctor. (laughs) He didn't have a medical, well, he had a medical history, but he learned to trust God. He learned the value of a day's rest we call the Sabbath day. Now, Sunday is my big work day. But I learned I need another day of the week to let my body rest. Because you know what? I might be a preacher, but I'm not God. 
I'm not superhuman. Amen. You cannot burn the candle at both ends. And believe it or not, we have preached that before. And people get upset with you when you, when you tell them that you ought not do some things on Sunday. And we're not trying to restrict people and all that. But you know what? God gives us six days to do everything that we need to do. Can we not take one day and honor Him with our body? I tell you, the worst feeling in the world is to wake up on Monday morning and you have to drag yourself out of bed because you did too much in the weekend. I'm talking about godly people. I'm not even talking about the, the, the party goers. We are wearing ourselves out. We are burning ourselves out. And our families and our bodies and our careers are paying the price for us trying to overdo it. God set the example for us in resting, not that he needed rest, but he set the example for us. But you know what? We get ourselves in a mess and a doctor can't always fix us. My dad died way too early. He had everything taken out of him possible and they started chomping on his legs, his feet, his legs, his knees because he trusted the doctor too much. And you know what? My father-in-law, when they found out he'd never been to the doctor, all of a sudden they found out he had a bunch of insur- a bunch of what Medicare money that they could tap into and do some stuff. I'm not being ugly, and I, you know I appreciate doctors and nurses. I'm not knocking them, but they're trying to rock in a hard place. Amen. They're at the mercy of the hospitals. Amen. You gotta prescribe tests and all this stuff to pay for their equipment but Asa trusted the doctor and the doctor said there's no getting over this and when he died they put him in a tomb that he had prepared for himself have you prepared to live Are you ready to do whatever it takes to live at any cost? I can't believe that the times that the doctors say this is going to get you, but it doesn't seem to bother people. They keep on drinking or they keep on doing drugs, they keep on smoking or keep on abusing their bodies, and they just won't do what it takes to live. But tonight I want to talk about healing for a few moments. I love it when God shows up and heals people. Brother, back, uh, I talked about the big revival we had, but a couple of years before the big revival we had, I got myself in a hot water with one of my deacons. I guess everybody, every pastor's always had one of those deacons that was just hot and knew everything and didn't know how to listen and, and work together. And, and I, 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 I made a very, very bad decision. That embarrassed my deacon. And it didn't cause a church split. But it was the crack that got the thing going apart. I realize now what I did was awfully stupid. And at the time, I wasn't going to backtrack. I did it and I was going to stick with it. I wasn't going to do anything because he said it embarrassed him. Can I tell you what I did? We've all made stupid mistakes in ministry. 
What were we thinking? Well, it all started one time when we had a rock parking lot. And the women told us they were tired of their heels on their shoes, always getting messed up with the rock. We didn't have nice smooth ones like you got out here. We had those kind that just tear everything up. So we decided we'd put down an asphalt parking lot, and we did. But you know, nobody ever told me how many handicapped spots to put down. I guess now there's a code for every, for every hundred people you got to have X amount of handicapped spots. I didn't know that. So I just pulled a number out of the air. And we had four rows for parking. And I said, take the whole first row, which was about 17 of them. We built a building that seat maybe 75, 80, 90 people. But we had 17 handicapped spots. And they were bright blue. And that digging got my face and says, this is embarrassing. Said, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in healing. And look at all them handicap stalls, handicap spots. I said, well, brother, they're staying there. And it started a rift in the church. Because obviously, I didn't know what I was thinking. But you know, I love it Love it when God turns our mistakes. Now, I really don't think it was a mistake. I think it was God. Sometimes God will let it look like you made a mistake just to set the enemy up. But you know, as we continue to go after God, we continue to see miracles take place. And when our big revival broke out that went for a year and a half, lo and behold, the the thing that identified the revival, a lot of people got saved. We saw 1,500 people get saved, but we saw thousands of miracles. And who who needs to park up front? People that are sick. And people that are handicapped. People that need to get close to the front door because maybe they can't park way out there somewhere. But God prepared us for the sick and for those that had physical infirmities to come in and be healed. And as we just begin to prepare our hearts, because when God shows up, there's no telling what can take place? Now we've since had the thing restrapped, and I didn't put down seventeen handicap spots. I've seen the light, but I also saw what God can do when you make a place. Amen. And the people that were sick, people in wheelchairs, people on crutches. People on walkers seem to appreciate the fact that we made a place for them right at the front door. But tonight I'm going to share a few scriptures with you and a few illustrations. I don't know what God's going to do. But don't let your moment pass you by. I was, uh, there's an old preacher down in Texas. He went to the two of our best Assemblies of God universities. 
Even went to one in Springfield. Then on top of that, he went to Texas A&M, and he was way more educated than I. And we were interacting on Facebook, and he, he doesn't quite see the movement of the Spirit like I do. I love the movement of the Spirit, but I'm not hokey. He described me on Facebook as being a hokey East Texas preacher that just wants to manipulate people and get them going. I love to see people blessed, but I haven't tried to get anybody going this week. If you have to manipulate and work them up, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the human spirit. But I was down close to his area, and I said, Brother, why don't you come to one of my services? He says, well, you know, I'd love to, but I got a very, very bad back problem. And I said, well, I want you to know we're going to be praying for the sick. He says, well, if I can make it, I'll get there. And sure enough, he came. And he came in the door, and he came in right about like this. And he was carrying a pillow with him. Now, he was a young guy. Now, you know when a man carries a pillow to church. Uh, I'm, I don't mind a woman bringing a pillow, but men, we're too tough for that. But he was in such pain, he brought a, he brought a pillow with him. And I preached a message. And I called him up for prayer because I promised him God would touch him. And he came up for prayer. And he positioned himself. His body actions said, all right, give me your best shot. But you know what? I know what God does. Amen? And I prayed for him. Now, I, I ministered to him every way I knew how. And I ministered in ways I don't usually minister because nothing was working. And then I said, well, you know, we believe God. We asked. That's all we can do. I said, maybe it'll happen on the way home. Maybe it'll happen while you're sleeping. But you know what? I said, let's just wait and see what God does tomorrow night. Let's give God 24 hours to work. And he came in the next night right at church time. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. Here he comes in again. And he's bringing his pillow. And that was just, I felt like the healing presence was there. But obviously he didn't get it. Right before I got up to preach, there's a little Hispanic woman back at the church that says, Preacher, preacher, I got a testimony. Well, by that time I could use a good report because I was just kind of, I was kind of beat down. You know, my faith had just went down. And, and she says, last night... When you was praying for that man right back there, and she pointed her finger at him, she says, I was standing right behind him, and I had the exact same problem he had, and I felt something go through him, and it got on me. And she started jumping, and she's doing everything that he should have been doing, but he was just determined God wasn't going to do it. You know what, tonight you may not like me, you may not like my style of preaching, you may not like my style of ministry, but don't resist God and what God's Word says. Amen? Amen. He missed an opportunity because he just dismissed it.
You never get a miracle like this. You get a miracle. Are you with me? Say amen. 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 But Jesus said, heal the sick. He said, freely you have received. Freely give. And then Jesus also told them that when you preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, everywhere I touch, we tag somebody for a breakthrough. One of my favorite things to do in in our pre-church prayer meeting every Sunday morning, Holy Ghost always comes down. Now, some people don't take time to go back there. But the one thing I like to do is just for all my intercessors, about 20 of them, to get full of the Holy Ghost. And then I say, when we leave out here, let's touch everybody we can touch and let's tag them for a touch of God in the service this morning. You know, the Navy SEALs, before we go in and and take a place, how they used to do it, they'd go in and put little tags on stuff that needed to be blown up. Now they got different ways of doing it, but back then they, they, they would tag something and those missiles would be guided to where that tag was placed. And that's why we never missed. And I like to put my hands on people and put my hands around their neck and they just think we're being social and and they just think we're being friendly. Uh, But we've already identified them as people that need a breakthrough in their life. But he says, when you preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is right here. Now it tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye are of the body of Christ... And members in particular. And God has set some in the church. First apostles. Secondarily prophets. Thirdly teachers. After that miracles. And then gifts of healing. There's also helps. Governments. And diversities. Of tongues. So God provided. A solution. For any situation people may be going through. Someone told me one time, well, I just don't believe you can just go put your hands on somebody and them get healed. Well, you know what? You can't just go put your hands on somebody and them get healed. It's about the touch of God that flows through you in faith. I told somebody one time, if that freaks you out and don't believe in putting on, it's biblical. It's biblical. I said, but if that freaks you out, just watch when we pray in faith and we don't even have to touch people. You don't even have to touch them. Jesus in his word and healed them of their disease. Amen. You can, you don't have to touch them. I've seen some people I didn't want to touch. I've seen people that didn't want to be touched. Jesus didn't always touch everybody, but he touched some people. He would send his word or speak the word and they would be healed. But you know what? I got news for you tonight. You don't have to wait for somebody with a healing gift to get your miracle. We, I'm convinced we lean too much on men of God. We lean too much on men of God. 
I need that man to pray for me. I need that woman to prophesy over me. But you know what? Those are gifts that work. Gifts are things that you can give at your discretion. I can minister to people because I want to, not because I have to. When you give presents at Christmas, you give because you want to. You give what you, what you want them to have. It's a gift. But that's not the only way God can heal. You know how another way God can heal? It's because Jesus already paid the price. You don't have to go through a man. You don't have to go through somebody with an anointing. You don't have to wait for somebody with a gift because Jesus has already himself provided everything you need. And even when nobody else has faith right in the middle of everybody, you can still get your breakthrough because it's not about me or anybody else. Who was it? Kenneth Hagin said one time, some guys work in the healing flow when the anointing's there. He says, I don't flow in the anointing, I flow in the word. Because the anointing comes and goes, but the word never fails. Amen? Amen? The word never fails. Even if I didn't come tonight, it should not hinder you getting your breakthrough. But sometimes God does send people. And out of their compassion and mercy, we can be Jesus' hands. Amen? But we can open up the door for healings. I saw the pastor the story, yes, I guess it was yesterday, the day before. I was in Cayuga, Texas. And there wasn't very many people at church, maybe 20 people. But I had a word. You see, when God gives you a word, you can act on it or you cannot act on it. But even if I don't act on it, it shouldn't hinder you from getting your miracle. Because it's not about me. You can get it yourself. It's not complicated. Just have faith. You don't have to have big faith. Don't have to have great faith. Faith is still faith regardless of the size of it. Amen? Little faithful work too. But I had, a, I, had, I had a word come to me that I'd never shared before, a, a prophetic or a, a word of knowledge. And I had, the, I had this image in my mind of somebody that had an incision that would not heal. You know, if I'd have said backache, we'd have had 19 people respond with having back problems. And it's okay to have a word of knowledge about a back problem, but you know what? That's, that's, that's easy because you know somebody's going to respond to that. But I called out, a, I said, somebody's got an incision that will not heal. And immediately, a lady sitting on the back seat stood up and said, it's me. And she made her way forward. Now, you know, when you give a word like, incision that won't heal I mean what if it's not out there 
And then there's times I've called out stuff and others have called out stuff, but people didn't respond because they didn't think I was talking about them. Then they catch me on the way out the door, want me to pray for them because it was them, but they didn't, didn't know if it was them, so they just kind of, you know, don't stop me at the door as you go out if, if there's a prophetic word and you didn't act on it. Amen. The anointing may be on me here, but it may not be on me out there. She came up. She got about right where you're at, brother, that the second row, the first seat, and all of a sudden I saw her snicker. I said, what just happened? She says, I think I just got healed. I didn't touch her. I didn't anoint her with oil. I didn't rebuke. I didn't bind. I didn't push her down. All I did was open the door. And she stepped into it. And I, I didn't even pray for her. That I didn't touch. I didn't do nothing. All I said was, why should we do anything if we feel that God's already done it? And she went home and checked. And she came back the next night and says, here's the story. Said, three years ago I had a hysterectomy. The old-fashioned way. And it never healed. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine an incision for three years that wouldn't heal. But she felt God do it right here. And it was completely healed over. God does work by gifts of knowledge. And God also works by compassion. I'll take compassion any day over a gift. You know what? Jesus says love never fails. How many was here last night? Y'all see that big tall girl that got her healing, her headache? Isn't that wonderful when the gift kicks in? Y'all see it when I called it out? Asked her if she had a... How does God do that? You don't know how he does it? I saw her when she walked in the door. And she was doing this the whole service. And when I saw her doing that, the gift kicks in. The gift told me, I bet she's got a headache. <laughs> now listen, I'm not making light of anything God does. But if you'll just watch people. If you see somebody with a condition... How can we just turn our head and walk off and say, just trust God? We might be able to do something about it. I don't think God so much gives me words as much as just watching people. Somebody needs a miracle. Somebody needs a miracle. Somebody's worshiping. Somebody needs a miracle. Because this is not how you worship. You worship like this or like this or like this. But not like this. Love. And, and last night, God healed that young lady. And it wasn't because of a gift. But, but because I recognized that something wasn't right. She couldn't even enjoy the service because she was in so much pain.
But Jesus went forth, it tells us, Matthew 14, and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. If you want to be like Jesus, have compassion. We get busy praying for gifts, and I like it when the gift works, but why don't we ask God to give us compassion? We all can do the supernatural if we just have compassion. And then believe for God to do it. I was in Gonzales, Texas. Little short Hispanic woman was standing up there during a healing flow. And she was worshiping the Lord. And she was worshiping God just like this. And it got my attention. If she'd have been like this, I never would have saw her. But this told me the shoulder was messed up. You'd never believe what happened to her after I prayed for her. You want to hear what happened? Well, I didn't pray for her. I didn't even speak a word to her. As far as speaking a declaration... I was thinking she's Hispanic. There's got to be a tamale somewhere. If you're an older Hispanic woman, you got to know how to make tamales. And I asked her, I said, first of all, I said, Sister, is your shoulder messed up? And she said, yes. And then I asked her if, I said, when God heals your shoulder, will you make me some tamales? And when she said yes, and you know, I had tamales before I left town. (laughs) For God to do stuff isn't hard if we'll just have the heart to help people. I was in Mamou, Louisiana. A lady, she'd been backslid 30 years. She'd been a Pentecostal preacher. The night before, she gets her heart to God and gets filled with the Holy Ghost again. And she comes back the next night. It was a healing flow. And she comes up for prayer. And one man, he was about this big. He blocked the whole aisle when he wanted ministry. And nobody, that was the only aisle down the middle of the church. There was no other way. And other people were wanting by him. They couldn't get by him. Don't ever be rude and block an aisle. I said, brother, tell you what. I know you want a healing, but if you'll just come stand right over here, I promise you, you'll be the first one I pray for. And he kindly went right over there and stood. And then this woman that got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost the night before came over here and stood for a miracle and she was worshiping God like this. She came up for a miracle and I didn't have to have a gift kick in to realize she had a messed up shoulder. I wanted to minister to her because I could feel that faith moment about to happen but I made that man a promise that I would minister to him first. And as she stood like this, and I saw that look in her eyes as I was contemplating, do I keep my promise or not? And I turned to walk away, and as I did, I said, I'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. And when I turned and tapped her on the shoulder, (laughs) 
Listen. Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. Jesus didn't say anoint the sick with oil. James might have said it. And that's a whole different scenario there. But as you read through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and as you read through the book of Acts of the Apostles, never, 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 never once did they ever pray for the sick. They touched, they rebuked, they spoke, they spit, or they sent their word. And yet, we don't have faith unless people huddle around us. Now, I love compassion and mercy when we try to pray for one for another. That's good. But my honest feeling is the church should get prepared to minister to the needs of Americans right across the board. We're in a season of good right now. America is seeing prosperity like we haven't seen in 20 years. But that can't go on forever. Administrations change. I tell you, it looked like the whole health care system was going under. And it ain't too close to going under. We just don't hear much about it because there's other problems in America. It's got the focus. My personal feelings are the church should get prepared to do what Jesus told us to do in the first place. I told somebody the other day, I do not like Obamacare. But you know what I like worse than dislike worse than that? A church that does nothing. Here's what I said. I honor a president. I may not see eye to eye. I may not like some of his policies, but he's got a heart for hurting people that churches don't seem to have. He might be doing the wrong thing, but at least he's doing something. What are the church doing? Jesus told us to heal the sick. Didn't say expect the government. If we want to be honest, the healthcare industry is run by the insurance companies and the, and the pharmaceutical industry. People are not, they're not going to give us stuff to get well because that's going to put them out of business. But you know what? America cannot stay on the course that we're on. And you know what? If we've made a God out of our health care system, if we've made a God out of anything, God's going to let it falter. That's what happened to the Egyptians. Everything that the Egyptians said, that's a God, that's a God, that's a God. Amen. When Moses showed up, God brought them all down. We got to know how to help people. We got to know how to help them. John Bevere wrote a book 
called Breaking Intimidation. He said, if a church doesn't walk in their God-given authority, somebody else will and they'll use it against them. What that simply says, if, if a dad doesn't walk in authority in the home, there's going to be some kid down the street that's a thug that's going to take the, 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 the authority out of the dad, and the dad's powerless. If a teacher doesn't step into the classroom and have the attention of the kids, somebody else will, and that teacher is going to lose control. Amen. If, if a pastor doesn't take the reins of the church, there's going to be some rogue deacon, Rambo deacon, that's going to call the shots and, 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 and use that power against the pastor. And if the church is not working in our God-given authority to heal the sick, amen, our government will take it and they'll hold us hostage. Listen, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor and I'm not saying don't use medicine. You got to do what you got to do. But we're putting too much confidence in man. And we need to have faith in God. We get messages all the time from church people says, I sure would like to pay my tithe, but I got to choose. Is it my tithe or is it my medicine? Just think of the churches that we could build. Just think of the mission projects that we could fund. Just think about the different ministries around town that we could do to help people if the church had the money the pharmaceutical companies have. Jesus said it. Heal the sick. And you know what? They don't really teach us that in Bible school anymore. We got a generation. I had a pastor call me to his church in Birmingham, Alabama. He said, Would you come to my church? And he came, and you'll never know who he is, but he pulled me aside and says, Phil, he's been there 15 years at his church. I've never seen anybody saved, and I've never seen anybody healed. Our church, our churches are not in the best shape. Our young people coming up are not seeing the hand of God. Amen. They're not seeing the God that worked in the Old Testament and the God that worked in the New Testament and the God that still works today. I love the stories of Jack Coe and A.A. Allen and, and all the different ones, that uh, Oral Roberts, that, that, that would just line them up and, and people just healed one right after the other. God did it once and God can do it again. He's no respecter of person and he's no respecter of generation. But it's too easy. It's too easy to see what the doctor says. And rather than preparing to live and enjoy our families, we're preparing to die because we're doing everything the doctor told us to do. But the Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. In a few moments we're going to give God a chance to do something. I hope you've already been giving him a chance to do it. Going to give you a chance to step out and believe God's word. But wouldn't you hate to get to the other side and realize, I could have had more.
I could have had more. I'm going to show you a place I went to. Stick a picture up there, brother. I was blessed a few years ago, my wife and I, to go stay in this very beautiful antebellum mansion. This thing goes back to the Civil War days. And uh, Forbes magazine says it's one of the top 100 places in America to spend the night. Forbes magazine also said it's one of the top 500 in the world. And my wife and I was, was asked to go through Louisiana to do some healing services. I took a friend of mine and his wife to do music. And a, another friend of mine uh, and his wife went just to kind of, he kind of set the services up because he's from Louisiana. I just went and preached the word. And we got to Natchez, Mississippi, and we got to stay at this place. They've made movies here. They have conferences there. We went, we, go to the next slide there. We walked right there. That little vase right there was valued at $15,000. And we got to stay there for nothing. We got to stay there not just one night, but we got to stay two nights. We couldn't understand why that was better than that cruise to the Mediterranean. Go to the next picture. Look at that place. Absolutely breathtaking. Go again. Give us another picture. How would you like to play that piano? How would you like to play on that pool table? We had the run of the place. Go to the next picture. There's another picture of the entryway. Go to the next one. That was one of the bedrooms. You can sleep in places like that. Go to the next one. Looky there. Isn't that soft? Go to the next one. Now, this is without doubt my favorite place. Look at that spread. I said, man, I'm going to like this place. But then I went and I looked at the menu And I realized I couldn't afford it. It was expensive. And so the first night we were there, we woke up the next morning. And we didn't eat breakfast. We could have ate breakfast, but we were saving our money for gas money to get back home. And the next night, the church fed us good for dinner and for supper, but we were on our own for breakfast. And then the second morning, Paul, the guy that kind of got the services together, he counted up his pennies and quarters, and he went and got us all a donut. I could eat a dozen donuts, but I got one donut. My wife got a donut. Johnny and his wife got a donut apiece. Paul and his wife got a donut apiece. We never got to sit at that table. And I was so disappointed. I mean, they had butlers, maids, they had everybody. And as we were packing up and leaving, getting in the car, the woman that runs the place comes up to me and says, how was your stay here? We said it was absolutely beautiful. I said, did you go across the pond? I said, yes, we did. Did you go across the bridge? Yeah, we did. Did you see that? Yeah, we did all that. 
Then she says, let me ask you one last question. How was the food? Everybody looked to me because I was the preacher for the week. I had to have an answer. I said, ma'am, the place was beautiful. We're so glad that we could stay here for nothing. But we looked at the price of the menu. We realized we couldn't afford it. She says, couldn't afford it? Didn't you know it was included with the price? We did without, and we ate a donut, and we could have been sitting at that fine table. And she said, sir, I'm so sorry, but didn't the maitre d' tell you that it was on the house? And I said, no, he was, he was ready to get out of there. He didn't tell us nothing. She says, well, I'm sorry about that. But didn't you see the sign right there by the telephone? I said, no, I, I don't guess I saw it. You know, in America, everybody should know that Jesus heals. That's our job to tell people. But you know, sometimes, obviously, we're having bad days because we're not telling anybody about the benefits of the gospel. But you know, even when we don't tell people, there's still a Bible in every motel room. You can find a book of gospel, a rack of gospel books in every dollar store, every Walmart. You can get anything you want on the internet. There's no reason we shouldn't know everything that God has. And I, I don't want to get to heaven one day and realize I could have had more. You know, healing is not a salvation issue. You can go to heaven with diseased feet. You can go to heaven with tumors. You can go to heaven with everything under the sun. Come to the piano if you would, brother. But Jesus has already paid the price for everything we need. And I just believe that if we would tell the world and show the world how good God is, how can they refuse him? I was in Gonzales, Texas. And a young lady came in the door. She's probably 23, 24. She looked messed up. She didn't look like a fine young lady. She looked like she'd been through some stuff. And I saw some of the church folks begin to do this. They begin to whisper. Can I tell you when people are living together in sin, that's common. That happens in church all the time now. Even some old people. Because they don't want to lose their social security. I'd rather lose my social security than lose my soul. They began to talk. So I knew this was more than just a living together kind of thing. It was obvious she was a lesbian. Now I know people that go off on homosexuals and lesbians when they come to church. I think we're learning not to be ugly. Not to be cruel. 
I really don't think they want to be that way. They're just trying to cope with their disappointment and let down and their own failure. We don't condemn people that their tongues are too long, do we? Matter of fact, some of you actually enjoy it when somebody comes to church with a long tongue. But you know what? The Lord despises that too. I've learned to love the homosexual. I learned to love the lesbian. Lesbian in our community got killed. I preached her funeral. But she'd always come to church. I wish everybody was this way. It didn't matter that she came in late. She's going to walk that aisle. And she was going to come up and she was going to kiss me right here. She wanted me to know that she was glad to be in the house of God. I prayed with her a dozen times. I don't understand that. But I don't understand people that keep gossiping when God saves them. Are you with me? If we're going to judge one thing, let's judge everything. If we're going to come on down on one thing, let's come down on everything. If one sin will send someone to hell, every sin will send somebody to hell. But even when you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, we still got a duty to love. They don't always respond, but you got to love them. And you know what? If we started criticizing every sinner that had certain sins... They wouldn't come to church because they knew they were going to get it. You don't agree with it. You don't condone it. But you got to love the person. I made my mind up. I was going to love that girl into the kingdom. The first night she never responded. She just sat back there though everybody else came to the altar. She came back the second night and I said, I got to get my hands on her somehow. I had an ingenious idea. I had everybody line up on that wall and I said, I don't want anybody to leave church tonight till I take every one of you by the hand and pray for you. She got up like everybody else and she came through the line. And I took her by the hands and I looked her in the eyes and I said, Sister, God's got something good for you. Then I said, I know your life has got to be filled with hurt and trauma and disappointment. Because the things you've done and the things done to you is not because you wanted it. It's just kind of how life, how you cope with the things that happened. I said, I'll tell you what, you probably got somebody let you down. Probably a church somewhere let you down. A preacher let you down. I said, but before I leave town, I'll give you an hour of my time and you can come and you can tell me anything you want to tell me. You can, you can tell me about every church that did you wrong, ever, ever, whatever. My wife wasn't with me on that trip and I never talked to women alone. And so I said, if you'll call the pastor's wife, set up an appointment, I'll give you an hour of my time. And on the last day of the services, she called the pastor's wife up. We had a meeting about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We talked for an hour. She was in tears. Her heart was soft. But I've seen that before. Preacher takes a little time for somebody. And well, 
I know what that preacher wants. He wants me to get saved. I threw her a curve. I said, Sister, I'm not going to pray. I'll pray with you right now, but I'm not praying a sinner's prayer. Because I don't want you to feel like you've been cornered. And you were just doing it to make me satisfied that I got the reward from the hour of my time. I said, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, you come to church tonight. Just come to church. I'm not going to make a spectacle out of you. But at any point in the service you want to give your heart to Jesus, just give me a thumbs up. And I'll stop what I'm doing. And I'll lead you to the Lord. I preached a short message. I do that every now and then. I preached 15 minutes. It's the goodness of God over Romans 2.4. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. The healing flow started. By divine revelation, an older woman came in the door of the church at the beginning and she sat down. But before she sat down, I saw her doing this. And I discerned that she had a hip problem. But my compassion kicked in. Now I said, Sister, God tells me He's going to heal your back tonight. And she was happy. And on her way down, she says, Let me tell you what happened. I injured my back. And the doctor started doing surgery on me until I ran out of insurance. And when when she didn't have the money, they didn't have the time. I think that's what Doctor's theme song is. If you got the money, honey, I got the time. But when her money ran out, they ran out of cures. Isn't that coincidence? And she says, I'd have no money. I'm 70 years old, and this is how my back's going to be. I said, if I'd have known all that, I might not have told her that God was going to heal her. That was a pretty tough case. It wasn't just a pinch or a sciatic nerve. It was messed up bad. But I told her God was going to heal her. And I had her sit down. Now, I know back in the old day, a lot of guys would grow people's legs out or pull them out. And I'm sure a lot of them were legitimate. Just there were a lot of skeptical people. But there are some, no doubt, that tried to manipulate. So I don't like to do that. But I felt God tell me to do it. It was obvious her legs were not equal. Her legs were the same, but her pelvis was messed up. That's usually what the problem is. I had her sit down. When I took her feet in my hands, obviously one was an inch and a half shorter than the other. And I said, that young lady back in the back of the church, when she sees this, how can she not believe? As I got ready to speak, I said, she's not going to believe it if she don't see it. So I called the pastor's wife up. I said, look at this. And she did everything I told her to do. She said, yeah, just like you said, that one's an inch and a half shorter than the other one. So I said, now the young lady's going to believe. And I got down on my knees and the feet in my hands ready to speak. And then I had the thought come to me. I wouldn't advise doing this unless you know it's God. But I called the sister from the back seat. I said, sister, would you come help me with this tonight? 
Brother, you ever used a lesbian in a healing flow to be your sidekick? I get in that faith moment and I don't think, what if it doesn't happen? I just think, what if it does? And I said, test those legs. And the young lady said, well, it's just like you said, that one's an inch and a half shorter than the other. And I got in position to believe God. And then I heard God say, let her hold those feet in her own hands. And as she knelt in front of that lady, I didn't touch or anoint with oil or even pray. I just spoke. And the moment I spoke, that hip started aligning up and her legs became equal. That young lady stood up as white as a ghost. She didn't just see it. She felt it. And she knew she was not manipulating. And she turns to me. You know, when the world sees how good God is, they're used to us taking God's word and beating them up with it. I'm so, now God, he hates sin and he hates religiosity. (laughs) He hates hypocrites. But we've used his word to cut people to shreds. But Jesus sends his word to heal. I believe God. I've chopped this message all up. I've done much, much better than this. But it's not about performance. It's not about delivery. It's about God's Word. i tell you two things I've learned. Many times people, they get a touch. You know this, brother. They get a touch in that Holy Ghost atmosphere. And that's a different atmosphere than what you're at at home. There's stuff out there all over to deflate your faith. When you walk out the doors, God doesn't take your healing from you. But every time God does something, you're going to have to fight to keep it. The devil wants to deflate your faith in God. And we've seen people get healed on our faith but they got to develop their own faith to keep it. Just because you get healed doesn't mean it's a done deal. You got to keep the faith. Another thing on a side note, God heals your back. Just remember, you're not Superman. If you go out and do the same things you did before, you're going to hurt it all over again. It's not an exemption card. You injured it before, you can't injure it again. God heals your body because you overeat. What if you don't change your diet? It's coming back. But I did see a case where God took a miracle away from somebody. There's an old preacher. used to always come to revival every night, bring some of his congregation. And one of the ladies one night he brought had two bad knees. She wasn't overweight and she wasn't old. She just had bad knees. And that night at church, her first night there, God gloriously healed both of them. And she had no problem at all until she decided she wanted to move. 
And she calls her preacher up, 80 years old. She calls him up because he's got a pickup truck. If I ever get me a truck, I'm going to get one of those bumper stickers that says, Yes, this is my truck. No, I won't help you move. (laughs) Not only was he 80 years old, but he was at the end of a 40-day fast. He'd had nothing but water. And he just kindly refused and said, Sister, I don't think I'm up to helping you move your icebox. And in the front of some unbelievers, she cursed her pastor. And the moment she opened her mouth, God took the healing away. Job says the Lord gives and the Lord can take away. But you know what? My God's a good God. But that woman learned you better treat the man of God right. I butchered this thing up so bad you'll never have me back. I t- he, was, he was, I got sick last night right before church. He was hoping I'd get sick tonight so he could preach. He'll preach Sunday. I said, if you want to preach, extend this revival on out. You can cure it Thursday, Friday, Saturday into Sunday. You don't need me. You know what? I don't know what God's going to do tonight. But I know that we'll give him a chance. Now listen. We're not at the doctor's office. I don't have clipboards that say, tell me every medication you got and every condition you've ever had. Because there's other people that want ministry too. And I often say, let me focus on one thing. And if God will take care of that, you have faith and help me. And you believe God for the rest of it. And I would also encourage you that as we're going to ask God to touch people, don't get your little prayer and make it to McDonald's before we do. Because someone's going to be first and someone's going to be last. And without fail, well, I've done got prayer. I'm going home. Can I tell you something? How disrespectful to people that have need. How disrespectful to God and the man that's ministering. If you just get up and... Now, if you got to... We understand when there's stuff. But just because you want to get to McDonald's before the line gets too long. I, my, I tell my people... If you're you're blessed to be the first in line, stay there and intercede and make it easy for others to come in and get theirs. Is that not the nice thing to do? And you know what? As we come and stand together, I've seen times where people that got ministered to didn't get it when I did it, but just standing in that atmosphere, something begins to happen let's all stand brother I've enjoyed my time here I'm going to have a hard time sleeping tonight because I'm excited to go home see my grandbabies my God is able Oh, I wouldn't stop right there if I needed something.
Amen. I believe God can restore everything. My God is a good God. Even when we made bad decisions and made mistakes, God can still step through. I'm glad God doesn't give us what we deserve. Lord, all the damage in this body, every organ in the body that's been damaged, everything that's been messed up, everything from her portions of her brain, even into the side of her eyes, down the neck, into the lungs. The old devil has a way of messing everything up. But God has a way of putting things back together. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord, I just declare from this moment forward, the steps will get steadier. The voice will get stronger. The eyes will strengthen. Even fixing the liver. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Father, give her an incredible peace right now to go with it. Let the glory of your presence just settle on her. Just receive it right now. Come on, church, just lift your hands and worship Jesus. Hallelujah. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. When we worship, he comes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, she'll be able to become the mom that she's wanted to be. Ever since her transformation. Satan meant to take her out. But God spared her life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The word says God will do exceeding above all that we could ever think of or ask. Thank you, Jesus. Heal the blood. Strengthen the blood. Strengthen the pancreas, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless these children, Father. Lord, bless this husband. Bless this husband. And we're not going to live with regret either. The devil sees to it. We all beat ourselves up over bad decisions. But don't do that no more. The devil could have took you, but God wouldn't let it happen. Look at me. God's got a purpose for your life. God's got a purpose for your family. God's got a purpose for your beautiful children. And they love their mama. 
You feel something stirring on the inside? I'm going to ask God to fill her with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I don't know how much you know about the Holy Ghost. But in atmospheres like this, all of a sudden, my English doesn't work very well. Hallelujah. My English can't express what I feel inside my heart. Right now, as I got my hands on you, I believe God's about to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. You came up for a healing, but he's going to also send a refreshing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As that voice just begins to come to your mind, just begin to speak it out right now. That's not your imagination. That's the Holy Ghost. Everybody around me just praying the Holy Ghost right now. Speak it out, sister. That's God. That's the strength of the inner man. Hallelujah. Just speak it out. Just speak it out. Hallelujah, that's a strength on the inside. Words that don't make no sense to you, but it makes sense to God, makes the devil mad because he can't understand it. Hallelujah. Just speak it out. Hallelujah, thank God for what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. Feel much better? Amen. 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 Everybody can just press in if you want to. The Lord seemed to work best in crowds anyway. You know what is you need something? Go ahead and lift your hands up to heaven. Don't wait for me. You don't need me. You don't need me. I don't want to get in the way of God. I don't know what God's going to do for you, but I, I feel like tonight God's going to give somebody a brand new liver. I don't know if it's you, but he's going to do it for somebody. Father, right now, I speak life and healing from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. God, I admit I can't do nothing. There's nothing I can do. I'm not the source. Lord, you're the source. Lord, I just told them you could do it. Lord, I just told them that you don't need me. Lord, we can just look to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pastor, you can help me. I mean, you can. We can crisscross. 
Thank you, Jesus. Folks, I don't, I'm not a mind reader, but there's something specific that I can focus on. Anything specific? Your hand. It's carpal tunnel. Amen. I saw an old woman. God healed her finger. She could move every one of them but this one. And every time she did anything, to, <laughs> that's all she could do. But God gave her the ability to put that finger down. And God can fix this. Lord, restore the nerve damage. Hallelujah. Restore the circulation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give her the movement, Father. Give her the movement. Hallelujah. Give her the movement back, Father. It doesn't have to have a life sentence attached to it for God to intervene. Thank you, Jesus. How much can you how much can you move it? How long has it been that way? Ten weeks. Father, from this moment forward, Lord, just Lord, any joint has to have therapy. Every muscle. But Lord, as she works it and as she moves it. We're going to see the strength come back to it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You've probably got several things, but probably not the main thing, but the stomach that's been messed up. Has it been bothering you? But that's only the result of other things. But when God fixes that other stuff, this is going to go. Fear has a way. Fear has a way of putting us in torment. But I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. My daughter wasn't doing right. 